This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Micah Parsons on his podcast, The Edge, fake analyst, and uh, talking about that Bills-Cowboys game. We had a former Cowboy also who shared his thoughts on Micah Parsons right now defensively. And let's get in to an early Bills preview as it's hour number four of the G-Bag Nation. Happy TD Tuesday and a toxic Tuesday as we're 40 minutes away from LA Live. Zach Wolchuk alongside Brian Broaddus, Eric Chiafalo, Lucius Alexander. We got Carter Freeman running that video. And of course, you are turning it on, leave it on listeners. We appreciate you. Hashtag Tolo. Thank you very much for rocking with us here on your home of the World Series champs and your Dallas Cowboys 105 through the fan. Micah reacting to that game against Buffalo, and he did give the Bills a lot of love after that 31 to 10 beatdown. And we never said the Bills were a weak team. We always said they were a really good team. They just weren't producing to the level they they should be. And they produced at that level back-to-back weeks. They arguably could have beat the Eagles. They arguably could have beat a lot of teams. They beat the Chiefs. I mean, they're beating good teams. The Bills have always been good. It was just the turnovers. They're beating themselves. But they never. no one ever said the Bills were bad. And that's just the reality of it. James Cook had a career night, bought out, you know, and that was the first time we gave up over 100 rushing yards to a player before. Uh, and that's just reality. I mean, Josh even said, I felt like a kid that didn't do anything in the class in, in, the, in the class project and still got an A. Josh Allen didn't beat the – there was a great team win. It sure was. And, look, I get it. There were people that were talking about, well, oh, the Bills aren't even that good of a team, and the, if the Cowboys won that game – they still hadn't beaten a good team. I, I think, and I stand by what I said last week, there isn't anybody in the AFC playoff picture that wants to play the Buffalo Bills right now. And I didn't have any hesitation of putting them at third in my power rankings, which are a right-now thing. It's a week-to-week deal. That's what power rankings are. The Bills look very different now with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator and Sean McDermott, who was getting a lot of criticism with that story that came out, but now he's tweaking some stuff defensively. They're getting a little bit healthier. Offensive line's playing really well. They're taking some pressure off of Josh Allen because James Cook now is running the football really well, so he doesn't have to be Superman. That's going to help the turnovers. Bills are, Bills are good. That was going to be a tough matchup. It's not a good match for the Cowboys, and I wonder, yes, you are playing against two teams coming up in Miami and Detroit that can run the football. Yeah, But schematically, you talked about it when you saw the, the film there, Brian. The Bills had a really good game plan did. for the Cowboys. It did. Can other people emulate that game plan to as much success? You talking about defensively or offensively? Offensively. Oh, sure they can. You know, it just, it, but the, the thing about it is you have to be, you have to stop Dallas's offense. We said this earlier when we were doing Krusty's Corner, and I believe this with all my heart. Your best help for the defense is your offense. Because if you find ways to – nobody's run the ball in Dallas when they've scored 35, 40 points. No, because you can't just – you got You feel like you need a throw Carolina to keep up. Tr- Carolina tried. Carolina tried to do that, right? Would they lose that game, 30-13, to 13, mm-hmm. something like that? Carolina ran the ball well enough, but they couldn't sustain that. You know, they're trying to help their quarterback, and they had some, su- uh, some success running the ball. But if you don't, if you don't score right along with – if you don't have a defense – that can that can shut Dallas's big plays down and keep them off the board. It's hard for you to sit there and be totally committed to running the football. So yeah, scheme wise, if if you're a team that's 
if you're a team that's really good on defense and you feel like that you could play a lot of zone coverage and 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 affect routes and affect the quarterback, you know, then yeah, you could beat Dallas. Absolutely. Because their run defense isn't good enough. You know, they've struggled with that this year. That's the the thing that everybody absolutely fears about playing the Dallas Cowboys are big plays on offense and their pass rush on defense. Absolutely. And Buffalo did not have to deal with any of those in their football game. That's how you beat the Cowboys. You know, but it's it's it you have to be committed to playing and the discipline that Buffalo played with in their secondary, they didn't get fooled on and you know, and and Mike McCarthy, this was a game I know Chief. This was a game that was only about forty percent pre snap motion stuff. I know. And Mike was Mike's one of those guys that said before that he's not gonna run motion just to run motion. And he probably got into a game plan knowing that, listen, they're gonna play a lot of zone coverage here. My zone, my 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 motion stuff will not affect them. But that was very much that that game, that the way that game was called. It was very much weeks one through five. That's what that game plan looked like to me. The only real play that looked like it affected when you're talking about secondary was the play that they missed the Cooks. The route that CeeDee Lamb ran that got uh, Taylor Rapp out of the middle of the field. Other than that, it was pretty, pretty just basic. When you look at, you know, they, they just didn't, they didn't do a good enough job as a play car, and they didn't do anything to threaten Buffalo at all. And Buffalo's like, fine. You want to run the football? Great. You're not. We're not giving up any big plays. You run the football. Mm-hmm. And Dallas was never. And Dallas was never into a point where they can consistently run the ball because they were behind. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, if you want to beat the Cowboys, choke their offense, and then that, and that, and then all of a sudden be committed to running the football. Those are the two ways to beat Dallas. And we'll see. I don't think Detroit has a defense that can do that. And Miami is interesting. Miami does have a good secondary. Yeah. And they've got Christian Wilkins up front who's pretty good. This will be a fun test against the Dolphins, who just had a really good win. But the week before, they did lose to the Titans at home. So that that was a tough deal. Now, Micah continued to talk about these fake analysts, as he calls them, that really love to just poke fun at the Cowboys after losing. Everyone just waits for the Cowboys to lose. I saw multiple analysts, people who are fake analysts who somehow got jobs on TV saying, there goes your boy. Like, oh, there he is. That's the person we've been waiting for. It's almost to the point where it's like almost sick. Former players are waiting for other current players to fail so that way they have something to talk about. It's not even to just get into names. I mean, I feel like at this point, you kind of know who you are. And it's like, why do you want a person to lose so bad? It seems that a lot of people People are just waiting for people to fail. I hear what he's saying. I think it's they want their opinion to be right. Yeah. Like Dan Orlovsky, been an anti-Dak guy. He wants to be right on Dak. Right? People sure. that people that have been against Dak, mm-hmm. people that have been for Dak, you know, mm-hmm. Bobby, for instance, when he's playing well, it's awesome. You right. can you can go ahead and run with that. You can be a front runner with your takes. Like, look at me, I was right the whole time. As soon as he has a bad game, we see it on the post game every week. There was nobody that was shredding Dak the last five weeks when he was playing great. Right. As soon as they lose a game, now he's not the guy. Told you. Right. Told you. Dak's not it. Yeah. No, they were laying, waiting in the weeds, you know, and the, the, the folks that are the big fan. See, nobody will admit when they're wrong. Nobody wants to say, you know, hey, I was wrong about this. Not in our business, they don't. I, I, I will say this. I've been wrong a lot about things, and I'm willing to step up and say I was wrong about Terrence Steele. Wrong about maybe Mike McCarthy as a play caller. 
wrong about, you know, there's things you have to admit to, you know, and you try and learn along the way. It's like, okay, what's different? What's different now about the, you know, the play calling, you know, it, it is, you know, is it because of Brian Schottenheimer? Is it because of Dak Prescott? Is that, you know, you have to be honest with yourself, but you have to be honest with the people that are following you too. But there's a lot of people that won't, they won't, they won't get away from that. They're so dug in that they don't want to admit that they were wrong. And that, that, I think that's a lot of a, that's a lot of problem in our, in our uh, media right now that admitting that, you know, you're wrong because people won't do it. You feel like they're going to lose your job when you admit when you're wrong, you know, you know there's times you can be, be right, right a lot. You can be right too. Yeah. You can be wrong a lot about this football. You're going to be wrong. I mean, any sport you're talking about the sport, especially when you're talking about the way these games are played and stuff like that. You know, you, you give your best opinion of how you think, you know, I thought Dallas was going to beat Buffalo. I really did. You know, I thought Dallas would find a way to, you know, to, to go up there and play with some, you know, play with some grit, some toughness, find a way to get a road victory and, you know, in a difficult situation. But, you know, it didn't work out for him that way. Yeah, a lot of people have been calling for, hey, Micah should have played off ball. See, this is what I played this, some this, linebacker. This is where I don't. Game. This is the problem, folks. Here's your problem. We have to be careful here because Micah Parsons best position in my opinion, is an edge rusher. I agree. He's a and 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 you will get people when you wanted to talk about there was a game where Micah Parsons go back and this comes from our friend John Owning. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely right about this. John Owning does a hell of a job. Love John Owning. John Owning goes go back and watch what Micah Parsons played off ball linebacker against Green Bay and what Green Bay did in the rushing attack that day. What they did to you, how they ran the football, you know. Micah Parsons, and a lot of you folks out there, when you argued back in the day or early in the season about Micah Parsons playing linebacker, we're screaming, we're screaming that he's not a linebacker. Now he's a linebacker to you? No. Micah, you're right. Micah Parsons' best position is, is a rush in. He is. The problem, That's what makes him special. The problem was The problem was that when Micah Parsons had to play defensive end, and f- and defend the run, he's not as effective. So our Marcus Spears, who you of course were part of that draft class when Marcus Spears was selected with the Cowboys, two thousand five, yeah. does an excellent fellow LSU Tiger. Yeah, does an excellent job on ESPN. Uh, has given the the station and you a lot of love in the past. Marcus yesterday was on Monday Night Countdown talking about Micah and how he really just needs to learn how to defend the run. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you this. I love Micah Parsons. One of my favorite players. I love Uh-oh. him as a dude. Somebody got to coach him how to defend the run Uh-oh. when he's on the edge. And, and I know nobody want to say it because we we, to, we we talk about how great he rushes the pass. Nobody can divide it. But if I'm going to talk about other players that that have parts of their game where I, I see as a weakness, if he's going to play the edge in Dallas, he has to learn how to set the edge. He got to learn how to stop putting his shoulders in the offensive lineman and use his hands and be effective in that regard. And when they don't block him, he has to be able to understand how to affect plays in that regard. So a lot of this about Dallas, to your point, RC, is mentality and how we play. The most devastating thing was that for me. Physicality, and more importantly, they didn't even look like they knew how to fit the run. Yeah. More more than anything. And that, that's something we'll get into the interest. Mm. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And, 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 and by the way, Dallas has outstanding defensive coaches. They really do. Uh, you know, AD, those guys, they do a hell of a job coaching those defensive linemen. But Micah, he, Micah's best position is playing as an edge, 
That's that's his best position. I mean, off-ball linebacker and stuff like that, to me, you know, you waste. You waste. I want to put him at, as close as I can to the football. I want I want him attacking the ball. You know, I don't want him having to play in coverage or read blocks. I mean, I, I don't want him to have to do that. I agree. I agree for sure. So and be careful what you're wishing for here, folks. Because you, you. Well, already, I don't think they're going to do that. No, I mean but, maybe situationally we, a couple of snaps no, here and there, uh-uh. but I don't think they're making that move full time. No, no, you, you cannot fix what's happening to your defense right now, because what Dan Quinn's trying to do is mask the issues that they had when you lost Diggs, when you lost Overshone, when you lost Leighton Vanderesh. He is trying to put band aids on amputations right now. Is what he's trying to do. These, these guys, whether it's Bell, uh, you know, whether it's Curse, anybody that's having to play in the box weighing 216 pounds, dealing with with offensive linemen 318 pulling, coming off double team blocks and stuff like that. Come on, man. Really? You know, he, he's, he is absolutely doing his best. He even tried to slant his front the other day and just, just, just so he wouldn't have to go toe-to-toe with people. You know, he tried. It didn't work. Buffalo had a great plan. They ran the ball well. They were committed to it. But Micah Parsons is a is a generational pass rusher. Facts. Yeah, and and, on, and I would say just generational disruptor. And, and, yeah. and I think he – I almost think, and it might be semantics, but just even saying like edge rusher, I, I just think he's a line of scrimmage player. Yes. And one of the things they should have done more of versus the Bills, and I would like to see it versus the Dolphins – for different reasons, but versus the Bills, he's just on the edge and he, they're able to just leave him unblocked and he doesn't really know what to do. Yeah. You saw a couple of plays where they put him down there over the center. Yes. Yeah. Even on run plays. Yeah. And he's at least just blowing crap up. You know, he's not necessarily going to make the tackle right there, but he's such a disruptive force and he's able to penetrate so quickly with his with his explosiveness. He should have been in there. I think he affects the play more than just sitting outside. They know he's on the edge and, okay, we can run away from him. We can leave him unblocked. He's going to be worried about Josh Allen maybe pulling the ball. And so we can, we can render him sort of useless. Dan Quinn should have probably used him more in those A-gaps and just let him blow crap up. And I think versus the Dolphins, it would be a nice move because they're dealing with a backup center right now too. Like you yeah. just you ruin a center's day when he's got to he's got to look at a bunch of Micah Parsons there hovering over him as he's trying to make the checks and he's trying to snap the ball and all of a sudden Micah Parsons is right there. I think that's where he needs to be, just a line of scrimmage player. Right. I don't know if he's on the edge or if he's in the A gaps over the center or where he's at on any given play, but that needs to be mixed in more. And we've seen them do an excellent job of moving him around, and they they didn't do that as much. But I I, I love that. I think I agree 100%. Instead of off-ball, where I don't think that he is the same player at all. I know he did that at Penn State, but that's a big reason why when we went back and we watched the Penn State tape, we weren't necessarily, oh my gosh, you drafted another off-ball linebacker. This dude is a game-changer when he's on the line of scrimmage. Put him As much as you can put him close to the ball, that's where Micah Parsons needs to be. And Eric, you're absolutely right. He's a disruptor. And, And he is a... He is a wrecker of scheme, you know, and there's reasons why that 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 coordinators during the week figure out how are we going to stop number eleven, because that that's that's the main guy you have to deal with. And if you put him an off ball linebacker, you're doing you're doing those offensive coordinators a favor. Yeah, and and here's the tweet from John Owning in regards to last year, week ten yeah, yeah. in Lambeau. 
they ran on you pretty good. Micah played 51 snaps off ball and 10 snaps on the line of scrimmage. The Packers ran the ball 39 times for 207 yards. And so he writes, not only did Green Bay still eat on the ground, but Parsons' impact was totally nullified. He had one pressure, four tackles, three stops. So that was, the I, I guess, the last full game. Maybe it was the Giants game this year, too. You saw him off ball yeah. a little bit, and he yeah. was... He, not he happy did, about it. Yeah, he was not happy. He was good in coverage, actually, on Saquon Barkley on a couple yeah, of plays. Sure but, was, yeah. But, uh, but the off-ball spot there in Green Bay last year, it still wasn't enough to to change anything for the defense. Yeah, because he's a guy you've got to account for. You know, much like uh, some of these other game-changing defensive players like Troy Polamalu, for instance, or, you know, when uh, Charles Woodson was winning defense. You, you need to know where is where is 43, Yeah, right? Where's 21? Where's 11? So if I know 11's over here playing right end all game, you don't have to play him off ball, but here we go. He's lining up over the guard. Yeah. He's lining up over the center. Now he's flipped over on the left side. You know, you, you you can have fun with him by still being a line of scrimmage player, and the offense now has to be like, well, where the hell is he? Yeah, yeah and, and in a game like uh, like Sunday, if he is going to be on the line of scrimmage, he needs to have the the awareness to say, okay, we can tell how the game's going here. I don't need to just totally try and get upfield every time like like you're expecting pass when they're just running the ball every play. Yeah, and, That's a and Micah that's, thing there. That, that is a Micah thing, and him and Osa and some of these other guys that also get caught upfield need to, you know, that, that's something I'm sure they're, they've watched the tape and they're working on this week because they can't do that against Miami or they're going to get toasted with the way they run the football. 